Hi. So today I have the pleasure, the absolute pleasure of um, speaking to uh, one of my personal friends and wonderful woman, Sharon Mullen, who is a stress and trauma specialist practicing here in the Northern Rivers. So hi, Sharon. Hi, Joe, And thank you very much for interviewing me. This is quite an honor to have you interviewing me because you know your stuff. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, well, let's start, eh? So yeah. how would you, being a trauma uh, specialist, how would you actually define trauma? Oh, we're starting with the big questions. I love it. Um, yes, it is interesting and many people listening, I'm sure, will have their own view of it. But because I work very much with a combination of mind training and relaxing the, the nervous system, I see it very much as physical. So if we look at it from the point of view of um, it being something trapped in the body, trapped energy in the body, and even when, what does that mean? Well, it means at some point the body loaded with energy to fight or flee and couldn't. So the system collapsed, went into freeze, and that freeze put a lid on it. So it trapped it. So then if we look at it from the, the mind, knowing maybe on some level that the incident has passed, but the body is continually living it. So it's still live for it. So it's traumatized because it's still worried about it happening again, even though on some level it's actually still happening for um, that person. So, so trauma can be an immobility, a tension, a, a trappedness in the body, a stuckness. And it's a very, very big word, but, you know, my understanding, the most traumatic thing for the body is lack of movement. Mm. So trauma can happen from sitting in an office too long, in a desk job, in a truck, in a car. It doesn't have to be, as I like to say, um, you know, you don't have to be sacrificed on an altar to be traumatized. It can be something fairly simple. It can be an accident as well as something fairly abusive or, or nasty and, and uh, neglectful. Mm. So that actually leads us into the next question, which is perfect. So... Before we uh, talk about ways to actually manage trauma, perhaps you could speak a little bit about your own background and your personal experience of trauma and what led you to actually decide to become a trauma practitioner. I love this question. I love that I can answer this question now without, you know, turning into a blithering mess and um, because I've done all the work that I've done. So I've got one of those Irish childhoods that often ends up in book, books like... Angela's ashes or whatever, but not quite to that level of poverty or anything. Um, but yeah, I grew up in a very unhappy home um, found out later more about why my parents behaved the way that they did. But suffice to say, uh, lots of violence, sexual abuse, um, massive amount of neglect, which of course I didn't realise till later was much more of an issue. I had a fair inkling when I was a teenager that I thought, how am I going to do this adult thing? I have no idea. I know that, you know, this inappropriate behaviour that's going on in my home is not um, going to help me be a good adult. But And that made me very, very nervous. But uh, yes, and it's interesting. I'm noticing now that I am saying a lot of buts. So I am being somewhat triggered now to go back and remember that because I'm being recorded, not because I actually have an issue with it. And um, because it is interesting for me to know that this podcast now will go out potentially uh, worldwide and people who grew up with me, including my parents, will actually hear this. So it's always been something that's made me nervous about doing this is what will their reaction be? So there we go. There's that maybe that last little bit of it that I need to work with. Um, because uh, even, of course, I'm 50 years of age. 
there's no way that I'm un under any danger from my parents. But uh, there it is still showing up. So always work to, to do. But how I got into this whole thing was because of that massive amount of neglect. And the neglect was in big issues like the only physical contact I ever got was either sexual abuse or violence. So I never got my hand held. In fact, I have one memory of my father holding my hand. And for years, I used to flash back and not remember what it was. I didn't know what he was doing, which is a bit odd, really, even for me, seeing that from the inside. So I didn't know how to deal with physical contact with people. And Irish people weren't great at hugging even then. So, you know, societally, we weren't great at affection. Um, so that was a big issue. I had a lot of anger in me. So in social circumstances, I was always nervous that I would lose it. And, um, you know, that, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know how I had any friends really in my 20s, to be honest. But eventually, I did, my first marriage broke up and I thought, I don't want this to happen again. So I went and studied talk therapy. And I really enjoyed that qualification, I have to say, through the Australian College of Applied Psychology. And I was very blessed with the people that I worked with, but it was still left with not feeling 100%. So the feeling that needed to be reduced so that I could be less socially anxious and be able to be intimate and all that kind of stuff came through um, probably 15 years ago. I was introduced to tapping and I studied with um, Steve Wells and David Lake of EFT Down Under. And then uh, through Steve, he introduced me to TRE trauma releasing exercises and uh, was very blessed to be trained with David Baselli. And that between those two things took the gross level of the history out of my system and taught me a huge amount of skills of how to be now. Not that life got much better. My second marriage was fabulous. And I know I can say that because I've recorded this before and my ex-husband is fantastic about it. We actually get on very well now, but it became violent as well and all that kind of fun and games and uh, with the girls. But yeah, so I'm living proof of what I do. I like to think and experience the work that this can do, not just... Um, going, oh I, oh, I study this thing and it's great. Yeah. And I'm a bit multiple personality disorder. I have a tendency to change my accent. So it's still me, even though I'm becoming Australian for five seconds. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> so along the way, you've um, it sounds like you've tried on different modalities, different ways of working with people. And um, that sort of led you to something that you feel that really resonates with you. So can you tell us a little bit about TRE? Yeah, well, when I trained, uh, as I say, well, I was very blessed almost 10 years ago, I think it is now. I um, ordered the DVD, watched it, did it, and felt so ridiculously calm afterwards. I thought, oh, my gosh, this is the thing. Um, and then, lo and behold, you know, as life does, if it's meant to be, the right thing happens. And David came to Australia, and I trained directly with him 10 years ago. And the things that I took from it mostly at the time were it can be quite a... Um, a uh, what would you say a, a detoxifying process not just a matter of it all being lovely and sweet and each time you go through the process of allowing your body to move involuntarily that you um you end up feeling better but but david created uh, seven exercises that i must admit i no longer use but he created those exercises to help open up the body um somewhat and put it under a little bit of pressure so that tired so that the muscles would start moving involuntarily and then eventually the nervous system would take over or immediately take over and then this involuntary movement happens but that's very natural to the body so I'm mindful to say to people when they're moving involuntarily, whether they've had a fright or they're cold or whatever it is, as long as it's 
not something that's epilepsy or Parkinson's or anything that there's actually um, a neurogenic issue, a fault, so to speak, in the, in the in the brain, that that's a natural mechanism. So, and that's in nature too, isn't it? That you see animals do this. That's exactly right, Joe. That's effects. exactly right. And people often say that my dog does it or I've seen a video of the polar bear, this polar famous bear. one. That's the one. And so, yes, it's very normal and natural. And, and um, uh, Peter Levine, who created Somatic Experiencing, was the person really, in my understanding, who brought this involuntary movement back in to us Westerners who'd stopped doing it. It was socialised out of us. Um, so now I'm finding more and more that, and the tapping I've even made more and more more simple, even though David and, and Steve from uh, did that too. They took away the, the EFT, so to speak, the emotional freedom technique wording. They created PET and, and SET, which is simple energy technique and provocative energy technique. But again, that's very specific to them and, and they're wonderful and I, and I love them. But I just literally get people to tap anywhere. Just mm-hmm. soothe yourself. Use it for soothing yourself. And yes, if we're working with something specific. Um, but yes, it, what works for me is that what I like is now with the set of skills and the experience that I've had, what I'm doing more than anything else is trying to create a circumstance, like the conditions for that to be opposite to what the trauma went in. So if there's any force related, I'm finding with the clients that I attract, if there's any force related to the therapy. If we, I have to, in the diagnostic beginning of working with somebody, find out whether they, the fight and flight is what shows up when we, we go there, so to speak, or whether they freeze. And if they freeze, then we don't go there so that we keep it safe. And that when some people don't move involuntarily like that, they don't shake unless they're safe. So my job is to create that safety and comfort comfort, safety, presence, breathe through your nose. Very basic stuff. So when people walk away from me, I'm not saying, remember to do your TRE and remember to do your tapping. I'm saying, breathe through your nose, notice where you are for, um, you know, Instagram, hashtag where the fuck am I, as I like to call it. Look around, notice where you are. It's not happening now, okay? And if it is happening now, well then, you know, there's a whole different set of skills. But if it isn't, you've been triggered. So breathe through your nose, notice where you are, find some comfort. No techniques in that. They're all basically there. And drawing from people what they already do. Oh, yeah, I have a bath. I forget I do that because when we're distressed, we forget to take care of ourselves. Absolutely. So, it, um, so it's bringing those skills back into the room and not having the people go, what was that modality again? What should I use? Keep it real simple. Hmm. Hmm. So the tapping, do you use the sequence like the original way of tapping was which is sort of starting at the head and working through or do you just go with the flow Uh, in the classes i do because i do classes and i do individual sessions so the classes is really useful to use the take the the sequence because then we do you know three rounds usually um very rare that i do less sometimes i do more depending on time but then because then you can um if, if those of you who are listening, thinking about a, a question mark, if you ever know the tapping. So, yes, it starts on the top of the head. But once you go to the eyebrow, side of the eye, under the eye, under the nose and the chin, mm-hmm. I think of it as a question mark mm-hmm. that goes around like that. And then anywhere on the body, really. And the fingers are really useful to use in real time yeah. so that everything that I teach people, I want them to be using in real time. Mm-hmm. And um, and then if, if in individual sessions, yes, I might show the sequence. Or just say, where are you feeling the distress so that it comes back to the body? And if they say, oh, my chest is tight, well, I might just get them to put their hand on their chest and then pick any spot on their face that they're feeling drawn to Mm -hmm. um, so that they use it in real time. This is the thing. And actually, funnily enough, somebody said to me yesterday, I I spoke at a... 
um, a group of women who've had breast cancer. And one of the women said, but you can't tap on your face in public. Well, I remember sitting at Coolangatta Airport once and I was very distressed because my ex-husband was coming back from New Zealand with my children. And I didn't know it at the time, but it turned out my chronic fatigue was back for the second time. And I was feeling very, very distressed. So I'm just sitting there tapping. I didn't care. I don't care anybody was looking at me. And I'm looking. And I'm men are. I'm a tapper, so uh, yeah, well, they, I don't care either. I'll do it out in public. This no is problem. it. Because I'm watching and women are like readjusting their boobs. Men are changing gear, as I like to t- call it, you know, <laughs> with their old fella. And I'm going, why is anybody worried that They're I'm sitting here eye. tapping on my face? <laughs> you know, so we're funny. But that's all part of being anxious, yeah, isn't it? That we think sure. we're like naked yeah. and everybody Everyone's can looking see. At us. That's it. And, you know, our skin isn't there and they can see all this ugh inside. Um, but if you just, you know, you could be thinking while you're tapping on your chin. But by the time you're doing that in public, it shows you're in a better place probably. Sure. But in the meantime, yeah, just wherever you can um, just soothe yourself. Mm, absolutely. So we've talked a little bit about TRE. So in your classes, uh, if someone was to come along to a class and they they have an idea about what they might expect, which is the, the wobbling, so to speak. Sure. Yeah. And I'm a little bit self-conscious, say. Yeah. What could somebody expect to see or experience in a class? And how big are your classes usually? Okay, so the cl- we'll start with how many there are in the class. There's room really comfortably for about um, nine, ten people against the wall. because so we quite start- intimate still. It is start- still quite intimate. And I know that there's, I've heard of classes, I think in, in Bali maybe, so don't don't quote me where there's 30 people in there, okay? I'd imagine that would take away a little bit, though, from the actual, your ability to keep an eye on everybody. When there's nine or ten, yeah. it's really manageable and people can feel a lot safer. And I'm thrilled that you said that because it leads me to... to um, to, to be reminded why I changed my whole view of what I learnt when I did my, my TRE, TRE training, which was to, you know, teach people and then leave. Sure. Now, um, and I'm blaming TRE training that, but it was to make ourselves redundant, you know, teach the people how to do them, show them how to regulate and then step away. But in somewhere like Bali, and again, you know, I haven't lived there, but this is only what I've heard, that there is a community that's intact so if people come to a class and there's 30 people and they lie on the floor and they allow their body to move involuntarily and then they relax and they go home, if something comes up, that community is intact to then absorb that, take care of that person. We don't have that culture anymore in our Western society. So for me, I have 10 people so that by the time they leave, they're somewhat intact. And if they're not, they can ring me. They're here in, in Lismore. They can come again to another class. They can make an individual session or just call me on the phone because a lot of the time people are coming to me is that they are living in family homes or working in work environments where they feel they can't be themselves. They're holding these emotions in and they're afraid that they're going to turn into Niagara Falls. Well, and a lot of people think they'll never come back from that. And they'll never come back from it, exactly. If I start to wobble, I'll never come back. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. how would you dispel that myth, you know? So so the self-consciousness part of it and that whole um, idea of, you know, I'll never come back or I'm going to turn into Niagara Falls or it's the worst thing in the world yeah. is my job. 
So that's the thing. When people come to class, I do say to them, I'm between you and the door. Anybody comes in and look at you fucking sideways, I'll eat them alive. Mm -hmm. And I use my humor, but it's exactly what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Going, and you know, and I've had young people come to class and they're coming because they're afraid of the dark or they've had terrible things happen in their home. And after two or three classes, they're falling asleep at the end, you know, and just shows how safe they are. Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting that that's been my job is to, for all the carry on that's been going on in it, I have, in my life, I mean, I've got to keep lowering my nervous system for those people. So they'll come in, find their place. Yes, everybody can see each other at the beginning, sitting up, tapping for the rounds. Lawful lot of the time people know the rounds very quickly and they do it with their eyes closed. And the person who's um, new is following me. So they're not really looking around or they'll lose where they are. Mm. So that self-consciousness, that nervousness, that anxiety or depression or whatever we want to call it, that distress, ill at ease that's brought them into the room has them fully focused on me and they're not looking around, okay? <laughs> and, um, and it, it, you know, by the time they've come to the room, they must have decided I'm going to do this. So, you know what I mean? Nobody's come in the room under any force and I don't allow that. If someone says, oh, my sister needs to come, mm. yeah, yeah, whatever. Right. When she wants to come, thank yeah, you very much no. because if you've got a problem with that person, do you hear what I just said? Yeah. You've got a problem. It's not for them to be fixing it. Um, so, so that's it. So, so then we lie down. Actually, I do a couple of minutes of, of just concentrating before we lie down. But anyway, I don't have to go in detail the formula of the class. But then we lie down. Now, interestingly enough, because of that layout, people can't really see each, each other that clearly. But when people see somebody else move very strongly or move very quickly when they lie down, because... I don't do the exercises of TRE anymore, as I explained. And people who've been coming for a long time. I've got a lady who's been coming for four and a half years now, every week unless she's away or sick, which is very rare. And she instantly lies down and she just starts to move involuntarily. So, so people are aware, oh my goodness, wow. And I don't know what that means necessarily to them. But my job really is to get that movement going. So you reintroduce it to the body. So starting it managing it and stopping it now that so once it started it started the body's been reintroduced to it now it now goes oh my goodness i can move involuntarily but sure so does your breathing so does your digestive system yes, so does sure. your heart all that stuff mm -hmm. so um and then straight away we're managing it so the moment they don't like it if I put your legs down, you can say, oh, people listening go, oh, but I'm not that type of person. I'd be the one who, yeah. oh, you got to keep going or you might get in trouble or, yeah. oh, you know, and or if you're very frightened and the freeze starts to come in, you can't even move your legs. That happened to me in my training. Mm -hmm. I was freezing in the training and I couldn't stop. But David Purcelli, fair play to him, was there and he taught me how to come out of that freeze response. So that's so that's made me very good at helping spot that, you know, and so um so I love being able to say, I can watch you and I can say, can you just pop your legs down? Or I may not tell them in all fairness, I'm getting, don't even do that anymore. Be like, do you think you want to take a rest? I wondered, was that okay? Yes, it is. And of course, I'm, you know, joking with people who are very, very serious and they'll say to me, am I doing it right? And I'll go, fuck no. And then they look at me again with these big eyes and they go, but you are winning the no smiling competition. And then they'll relax and they start laughing and start moving. There's no right nor wrong. It's your history that's coming away. Absolutely. So managing it is really the golden rules are simply that. Breathe through your nose. Mm. Notice where you are. And even that's notice the movement in your body. Yeah, and get comfortable. If you're uncomfortable, 
constantly reminding people, do you need another cushion? Mm-hmm. Do you need a roller under your knees? Do you, you know, I mean, these words probably won't make sense to the people who haven't come to class, but I'm constantly making you comfortable. And you have all that there already. People mats don't have are there. to bring. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Rollers okay. there, cushions there, mats Beautiful. there, air conditioned, beautiful room. Mm-hmm. It's all very, very, that's it. And I want people to come in their lunchtime if they want to. And if they've got a short skirt on or tight jeans, We've got sarongs there. We'll work it out. You know, it can't be that we go, oh, the circumstances aren't perfect for me to release my trauma. So I'll just hold on to it for another however fucking long. I'm not wearing the right pants. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Fair enough. Okay. So that's a lot going on there. That's a, it sounds like you certainly create a, a safe space. Yes, that's above and beyond primarily. everything else. Yeah, safety is paramount, and whatever people arrive with on the day is what they arrive with. So. That's right. And if someone wants to leave early, or they want to go and stand outside the door, or they want to go around, and my individual room is off that room, so if they want to go and sit in there, so they, they need, need to go to break, the toilet. Need a break? You need whatever you need. Sure. That's exactly right. And that's but that's where the classes are about. Not just releasing your historical trauma, but learning the skills of how to prevent more. Sure. Because you're lifting your game mm-hmm. of wanting more out of life, and you're dropping your tolerance for putting up with too much shit that you've probably put up to that point. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's not just about come to class and get rid of the bad stuff. It's come yeah. and learn. Come and learn come how learn. to stop this from happening now. Yeah. So that because life, life skills. isn't life skills, and life yeah. isn't going to become a pretty yeah. box with a pink bow on top. We're going to have to learn. We're not immune to dying and our friends dying and all that stuff. So Absolutely. Life goes on. Life goes, doesn't it ever? <laughs> well, thank goodness it does. We're still here, Joe. We're still here. Sure so you just said life is ongoing and so clearly managing trauma is an ongoing life process. And you're going to be talking in detail about a lot of different topics in future podcasts. But if you had one piece of advice now on strategies – so somebody listening today could maybe take the little piece of gold away that would help them to cope with trauma when it's triggered, what would that be? I know you've sort of alluded to it, but what what do you reckon that would be? I think that the best advice that I can give or the words, I don't know if it's advice, information, knowledge, wisdom, is to know that your body is doing exactly what it was designed to do. So if the nervous system has been stimulated. Its natural thing to do is to go into fight and flight, is to go into mobility, to want to run away, towards, to hit. It wants to do something with this threat that it perceives or is real. But, you know, usually we're talking about something that's perceived. The person reminds you of your father. Mm -hmm. The backfiring of the car reminded you of an explosion, whatever it is, okay? So it's not often genuinely real. Yes, of course it is. Even if it is real, the person that you're with has become violent or agitated in any way. You know, your nervous system is doing exactly what it was designed to do. Now, if it's happening ongoing for you past the event and you're thinking this is ridiculous, I should be over it by now. It's not. If you don't have another skill, it's going to continue to do exactly the same thing that it was designed to do. Absolutely. So uh, what I want to say to you is know that what you're doing is perfectly fine and normal until you get a new set of skills and then you'll try something else. So don't give up on yourself. Find a way for you to find that peace because it's not a life sentence to be traumatized, to be stressed. It went in at some point and it can go out again. So find what works for you and look for that and never give up. Be determined to be happy and well. Beautiful. Thank you. That was very profound, if I do say myself. That was very. (laughs) Well, you know, 
people listening to this, a lot of the time when they're listening to a podcast around these sorts of topics, they they want something that they can actually action now. Oh, yeah. listen to this. What can I try? Yeah. So I think that's just that reminding that we're all human. We're all human and simply remembering if you breathe through your nose, it calms your nervous system. Breathing through your mouth can stimulate it, okay? That's what we do to get the oxygen in quickly because we've got to move. Mm. So breathing through your nose, it also seems to be very hard to think when you just take that moment to take a breath through your nose, to look around. Where am I? Name things. To remind your system, your mind, you are here now and the chances are right now you are safe. And look for comfort. Three things. Breathe through your nose. Where the fuck am I? Find some comfort. All hashtags. All hashtags. And dot com. <laughs> I say dot com at the end of things sometimes and my children go, Mom, stop it. I'm trying to be cool. I'm 50. Uh, oh, dear. And that is something that people will definitely get from you is the ongoing sense of humour. Oh, well, we, it's interesting. We've got to laugh. You Seemingly, do. again, I'm not one to research too much. I'm, I'm very know that what I'm talking to you about is, yes, I am very trained clearly I've got all my my pieces of paper and what have you and mm-hmm. um, but the ex- experience of working with a lot of people I can see sometimes crikey maybe 40 50 people a week between classes and individual clients that would be an amazing week but that, you know that's that can happen and if I w- do a corporate gig where there's 40 people in the room there it is happening in one in one two hour period mm-hmm. and watching how people behave and watching what works and what doesn't work um, and I've I've been told that an orgasm is the ultimate letting go. Well, you know, you think of the Hollywood symbols of that. There's a hand against the glass pushing or if somebody's scrunching up the sheets, they're not letting go, are they? They're holding on <laughs> or they're pushing, you know. And secondly, supposedly a cry. I have to teach people to cry sometimes because they <gasps> and they're gripping in their chest. But the third is laughter. Now, again, people who are more qualified than me, go, well, actually, and that's fine. Good on you. I don't know. looking to be right, let me tell you. But I can make people laugh because I'm certainly not doing the other two. People will cry. Um, fair play, of course they will in, in session and in class and wail and gnashing of teeth. And that's often very actually soothing for the others because it allows yeah, that other's permission. Room, yeah. So, you know, before we probably didn't make, we got a bit sidetracked. I do that. I'm sorry. But that, that uh, worrying about what other people think yeah. is that collective energy in the room actually creates more care. I do not allow people in that classroom who aren't there to take responsibility, who aren't there. If they're there to blame, if they're there to, you know, find a skill to go home and bollock the partner or whatever, that I'm not your girl, you know, come and take responsibility. So, yes, yeah, so it's um, that that is the the, um, the the place for me to to create that safety for what, whatever mm. comes up. Absolutely. So I hear that there are future podcasts in the... Um in the offing. halls, yes, in the, in the offing. Uh, what are you going to be talking about? The plan is to talk to other professionals that I that refer to me um, and uh, people who know what they're talking about in this game, such as yourself. Um, oh, thank you very much. Oh, yes, yes, yes please. <laughs> I can highly recommend Joe. She's totally amazing. Keeps me sane. <laughs> you know, we have to be a little bit insane in this game, so we've got the, the oh, empathy, but more truckloads of <laughs> compassion so that we can go, you can get out of this. You can get out of this. And that's something that I, I'm very passionate about, the difference between empathy and compassion. That's something that yeah, I want to talk we've about. we've talked about that. We have that, you know, um, empathy can be getting in, in the pit with somebody, which is wonderful, but the ladder out is compassion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that will be a big issue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, look, Looking at 
what I see um, in the in the rooms that I in as I'm in, as well as looking talking to other professionals, mm. um, so that people don't get sick of my voice. <laughs> There's two people, <laughs> and it is really interesting to engage with you and talk with you. Has been fantastic, rather than sitting here and just looking around the room and 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 talking. Although Andy is here, which is great. Um, so yes, we w- it will be partly that I will plan what they will be, and interesting enough, what the demand is um, is out there. So and are people able to contact you in any way to sort of say, hey, we'd love to hear a little bit more of your view on this, or is that could that be a possibility in the future? Well, if for whatever reason that somebody uh, only hears the podcast and there isn't by some strange reason any contact in the exchange that they have found us, that there isn't some link. If anybody looks up Sharon Mullen, M-U-L-L-A-N, just one R in the Sharon as well, and any of those things, tapping, Lismore, TRE, trauma, any of those things, they'll find my website and they can book from there, contact from there. But the podcast will sit on the website for now so that all the information will, will be there. And your information will be on there, Joe, and whoever that I talk to, that link and that information will, will be there because it is interesting when people... Um, listen to these things they just say don't know that it was specifically something that you said it was that I resonated mm, with absolutely. the sound of your voice one thing that you so somebody might get that from you too Joe mm. um, so I did one podcast with Alex Stewart of Low Tox Life some three years ago mm-hmm. still getting work from that and many people that's why I'm doing these podcasts have said to me you got to be saying this stuff Shaz you got to be mm. can't just be that I happen to hear that wisdom because I was in your class because I'm very wise you know oh, same absolutely, oh, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> And um, so, yeah, so that's why this has come about. I didn't just decide to do podcasts. It has been, you got you got to write this stuff down. But of course, we don't do that anymore. We say it into a mic. So this has been fantastic, Joe. Yeah. I'm so much more relaxed and confident now. So those of you who are very clever at hearing that in the voice, you will hear that I'm not <laughs> like I was at the beginning. <laughs> oh, beautiful. So, well, thanks, Sharon. It's been absolutely amazing and informative and you've offered some tools there for people. You've also offered yourself, um, as you always do. People can come along to a class, they can book a private session. All the details will be in the show notes, as they say. Um, and, yeah, great. Thanks very much. Thank you, Joe. I've loved it. And thanks, Andy. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. Goodbye.